Finding Demo Surf Fishing started October 1st, 2021, and it's grown. We've got almost a 1,000 followers now, weekly episodes that have come out to you. We spoke to so many different people. Well, this week, we're actually not talking to anybody. You get to hear me talk. Uh, it's going to be a little different, so I hope you're ready for that. You're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. Oh, I love it. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Hopefully you're on the beach. Well, if you're in Florida, uh, the current weather is anti-beach, it feels like. Uh, I don't know what happened. We seem to have detached from the earth and have moved uh, two inches from the sun. But uh, I do hope you're doing well. Whatever you got going on today, hopefully on the beach, maybe getting some fish, or you're planning your next fishing trip, or you're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing, getting some ideas on what you can do on the next round. Who knows? Lots of great options. As I said when I started this uh, intro, Finding Demo Surf Fishing has been around now for 40 weeks. And this week, it's just me talking. Uh, I have a lot of things to really try to get out, and I'm going to do it in the fastest way possible. The first thing I wanted to say is thank you to all of you. You have made this what it is. This show wouldn't be here without you. We're finally up to just about a 1,000 followers, and we have had great downloads, great streams, tons of great interaction and comments. I've had messages from a lot of you, and I appreciate and read all of them, and I respond to, I think I've responded to all of them, but I'd say 95% I've responded to. We're going to continue to do these. It's not going to stop. I'm not sending any kind of weird messages here about... You know, oh, I'm done. Yeah, and we're just getting warmed up. One of the things I really want to bring into this is this. Thank you to everyone that contributed to this show. The first episode was Salty Pompano, or Salty McCrory from Salty's Pompano Rigs. Salty kind of set me up for understanding of how to do this. And he was extremely helpful in this episode. I loved it. And then he just kept going with it and kept going with it. And I've been very appreciative of him ever since. We've talked to Smitty from Smitty Surf Fishing. That's become its own monster. Him and I do uh, the Panhandle Fishing Report now. We've talked to rig makers, rod makers, uh, equipment, uh, different pieces of equipment like Rip and Reaper Fishing, uh, popping corks, or his pompano rigs, things like that. I was like, well, this is interesting, but it started something for me under uh, talking with Tony Pendley from Rip and Reaper about Hey, a popping cork. Well, I didn't learn how to really use it until I went out with Bill Lipscomb of E6 Inshore Fishing Charters. Now, we're not going to go into the inshore. I know this is a surf show. But these pieces all started putting things into perspective for me. I never would have known about some of these uh, pieces of equipment or people had I not started this. And in doing so, has made me a better angler all across the path. It's just helped me become better i'm in no way shape or form a professional (laughs) and i will never claim to be i have just been fortunate enough that i've been able to talk to a few people and learn things 
everything I have learned, I have tried to share in these episodes because they have taught me something. So I hope that this has all done something to make you better. One of the pieces that I've not done well in, but I'm trying to, and I'm okay with admitting my faults, is I haven't got into other parts of the country yet. And I told you that was something I wanted to do. I'm working on that. Uh, I've got a couple of things lined up with Mississippi, um, with a gentleman, his name, uh, their show is, or I believe his podcast, or not a podcast, YouTube is Salt Sippy. We got Texas coming up, which I'm really excited to hear about these ones because it's, you know, that's going to complete that one. I believe we have some Louisiana coming, so the Gulf's going to be covered. Uh, but I'm working on getting up and down the East Coast. Uh, we've talked a little bit into North Carolina, South Carolina. Hopefully we'll have some Delaware here soon, and I'm going to get a few New England ones. And speaking of New England, Bama Beach Bum and Ninja Tackle went up to the Cape. If you haven't seen that YouTube video, uh, go check it out. It's really good. They had some grills, a great series, actually. It's not just one. Uh, but they went up there and showed about the fishing for them. Um, they're not. It's not their common place to go fishing. They went there and they did the things that they knew how to fish and got some local knowledge and went out and they killed it. And that's one of the biggest things that I hope as any person going into a new area, that was kind of a great example to become, you know, be successful where you go out there. They talked to the locals, they got some knowledge, and then they got right after it. That is the premise and the hope of this show is to give you some of that kind of knowledge in that area. It's going to take a while because I only do these weekly. I, I don't have a lot of intentions of changing the pace on that. But we will see how I can do that some more. Speaking of equipment, uh, I had a great conversation with the sinker guy, Chip Brundage. Um, you guys have seen me talk about him quite a bit. I've used his gear for a long time, and I love it. And his episode was really, really informative on fishing over in that area, but also about sinkers. Chip really pushed me in the direction of, hey, you need to figure out how to do a business. And people have asked me, um, how, you know, how are you going to make money at this? And it's not a lot of listeners. It's uh, other people in the industry. So I'm going to give you a little thing in the podcast world. Uh, I'm not YouTube. I don't. I can't get monetized in the way that... Uh, a lot of these other guys can because I don't have the watch time. And in reality, if I'm being fully transparent with you, I can't see watching on the YouTube a podcast. It's a dead screen. I'm sorry I don't get creative with my artwork for you to sit and stare and listen. But YouTube's not going to jump all over me until I get to their numbers. Well, I don't anticipate to get to their numbers. Facebook, Reels, Shorts, video game is where people are making their money. Unfortunately, in the podcast world, we're radio. Uh, for lack of better, any other example, it's just radio. So for us, for us to somehow monetize to buy new equipment or maintain equipment or to get new things to make things better or however you look at it, uh, we rely on advertising and sponsorships. 100%. I wish it was something different, but that's just how it is. So I have turned this, after Chip talked to me about it, into a business. Finding Demo Surf Fishing is finally a business, uh, and I am going to start doing advertising. 
that's not going to change the show because you've heard them and you've heard them in the show. You've heard the quick little advertisements of, you know, the paychecks, the show itself. And that is designed specifically so I can get an income from this to buy more equipment. Right now I'm using a Zoom recorder. That's what you're listening to me on and Bluetooth through there. Uh, eventually I'm going to get a mixer to get it cleaner so you guys can listen to it a little bit better. And I'm always open to suggestions. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're welcome to send me a message if you have suggestions. I like them. Even if it's constructive criticism, uh, hey, Brian, you suck and you should stop doing this. I appreciate those. I appreciate that kind of constructive criticism. It is what it is. At least you're telling me something. So you will see uh, some other stuff coming out online about, hey, if you want to sponsor or anything like that, I'm going to do that. It's not going to change the pace of the show. It's not going to change any of the crazy things. You're not going to see a bunch of massive advertisements. That's not going to happen. But it's going to still be the same pattern it is. So thank you all for understanding on that and realizing this is how I'm going to grow. And I'm growing to make some bigger things happen here in the near future. All that being said, I wanted to tell you about two, or actually I kind of want to answer my own questions here. One of the few that really changed my pace and patterns and questions was Blake Hunter of Real 30A. Blake brought a question up and through our conversations uh, made me realize that my questions weren't really engaging enough. Granted, it's a longer show now. It's about an hour, hour and a half, which I'm sorry if that kind of messes up your day. Thankfully, you can come back and listen to it as you go. But I realized when I talked to Blake that I wasn't giving you all enough, uh, and especially uh, enough things to utilize as education. Now I've definitely honed it in, and I've got to reel it back a little bit more, but I'm going to continue to ask these questions to help people Uh, get better in the surf. Here's a couple questions that I've been asking a lot of people and I'm going to answer them myself because they're part of what I have learned and how to, I don't know, get better at surf fishing because quite frankly, that's the whole goal, right? Set it a bunch of stuff. So how do you plan a day of fishing? Uh, For me, I am horrible at planning. Um, I will be the first one to admit it. I wish I wasn't, but I really am. Normally, my idea of uh, planning to go fishing is, okay, I think i got a day. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to go surf fish. Uh, I'm going to go to one of probably four or five areas here in the Navarre area. I'm probably going to go to Marine Park and look at the surf uh, and possibly go there. I've also got a bunch of accesses, 38, 36C. Yes, I'm giving you my locations by all means. You're welcome to fish them. It's not my property. I want you all to fish. There you go. Have at it. All the way down to Fort Pickens. But when I do plan to fish, what I do go look at right away is I'm going to look at a couple apps. One, I'm going to look at Windy. I want to know what the wind's doing. And I also want to know what the wind is scheduled to possibly do. Granted, we all know that that stuff is a crapshoot at best. But it's still a useful tool. I will also take a look at uh, fishing guide or fishing reports on panhandle surf fishing. I'll get a couple of ideas of what is biting where, when, and how. And then a lot of times I will use Nautitide. Uh, that one's on the market. I like that one because it's going to tell me pressures. It's going to tell me tides. Uh, it's going to tell me sun activity. Sorry about that. 
I want to know all these pieces because it's part of my planning. Uh, and that's within 24 hours, maybe 12 hours of me going out. So uh, that that's kind of how I figure out what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go. When I get to the beach, what am I looking for? Uh, I'm looking for rips, first and foremost. I want to look at those because that's going to kind of give me an idea of where I want to play. Uh, I'm not always going to see the rip. It's been one of the hard things for me to find. Uh, and a lot of people have said that as well. I've gotten better at it. One of the favorite lessons I picked up was from, I, I believe it was Tony Fagioni of Fish Gum. We had a great episode as well. Lots of super information about Fish Gum, but also how he fishes. Very, very useful and packed full of knowledge that um, I, I learned from him when it came to YouTube in the beginning and it really helped me out was look at how the waves are breaking and then look for the spot that it's not breaking as it's rolling in. That's a deeper spot that could be a rip right there. So that's one of the few things that I look for. Another one I look for when it's that for the rip is I'm looking for almost an oil slick. Um, something I think it was my grandfather taught me was, you know, if you see a bunch of chop and then you see smooth water, there's something going on there. That, that's something to pay attention to. Um, so I've used those kind of things to set my lines before. When I do set up, <clears throat> uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm also looking for holes. I am looking for the darker color water. Uh, I'm looking for how the color changes in the water. One of the lucky things we have here in Navarre is we, we've got crystal clear water probably, I'd say, 75% of the time. Uh, which is great because, you know, it can really help you see what features are. And I'm going to use those features to my advantage. Uh, if I've got a nice big hole, uh, I'm going to probably play a lot. I'm going to play a couple short. The rip or the cut. Uh, the cut I like to call is the highway exit. Basically, you got the big bar, and then all of a sudden you got a deep spot where it changes so they can come in and out. Uh, I target that. I'm going to throw probably behind it. Uh, to the right of it if I can, and then I'm going to throw another one shorter uh, on that same one so it's right near the same thing, and then I'll try to target one right dead center of the highway as it's coming in because they're going to be running on the edges, but one might stray off to the side. My fourth one, uh, more than likely I'm going to throw it into the hole itself and short, and again, we're going to bring Tony up here. The runt rod, uh, I do have one. I don't fish with it nearly as much as I should, uh, and I need to get better about that. But uh, I'm going to throw one probably within the first 20 to 30 feet of water and let it sit with... Uh, more than likely, I'm going to use fresh dead shrimp or a sand flea. I normally use live bait for that rod. The reason being is, I've said it in pretty much every episode and every captain and charter person and and basically anybody in the episodes has told you that first 30 feet, there's stuff there. Uh, whiting, pompano will come up short. Um, I've seen Spanish come in that short. Uh, well, ladyfish, you name it. They're all there. So though we're slinging out 12-foot rods, you know, sometimes we're overthrowing the fish, uh, and that forces me to stay closer and hopefully pick something up. A lot of thing a lot of times I do. Sometimes I'll use the nine foot dagger for that. I'll stay short or the ten foot over the bar, the rod that I have. Um, I will keep that a little bit shorter, uh, just for that reason. Uh, okay, so let's that's that one that one there. Uh, how do you set up and stage your gear in the beach? Well I kinda talked about that, so I'm gonna use anywhere normally I'm gonna use four rods. Uh, two ninja daggers 
an Accios 13, I believe it's a Fury that I wanted to call out, one from Mark Burford of Florida Surf uh, Tackle. Uh, and then my 12-foot, actually from Mark, <laughs> the Bullet. Uh, I love that rod. It's my. Uh, it's another one that I can throw and go from there. Now, when I started fishing, I actually I didn't have any of this cool higher end gear. I actually never planned on getting there. Uh, but uh, thankfully, my RV job that I do in life has been fortunate enough to bless me with a little bit of extra money here and there that I can save up, and I can buy a couple new rods and reels from there, and it, it's been helpful. But when I first started, I was fishing two 12-foot Akuma Longitudes, uh, a Beach Runner that was 11-foot, a 10-foot Battle 3. That was pretty much my normal. That was my setup. And it was fine. Uh, it did great. All of them did great. The 12-foots were my... that That's where I learned to cast. Um, that's where I learned that I needed better equipment for casting, or where I needed better line why I needed shock leader. All of those were great trainers for me to get started and it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. So, and it, I brought in plenty of fish. Uh, if you go back into my history, I've got Pompano, Whiting, Spanish, uh, Lady Fish, Flounder. Flounder was a great one. That was kind of crazy. Uh, and just uh, Monster Black Drums, Redfish. It's all been great. And I've used all that same equipment and it's been there it's not it wasn't a problem so though i talk about a lot of high-end gear too don't get me wrong that gear is awesome and it serves its purpose that i need now when i fish but when i started you, i didn't have to go uh all out for that i used starter gear and it was great a lot of lessons learned not to mention how easy it is to break a tip <laughs> I've, I've broken several tips and thank you half itch navar for always um, helping me get them fixed. <laughs> I didn't think I'd mess that up as bad, but I truly did. So thank you guys. Uh, what rig? What do I use? Rigs, baits, sinkers. Um, rigs wise, I have a myriad, thankfully, um, and it's been mostly because of all these listeners or all the contributors. I use Salty's Pompano rigs. Uh, I've used Rich Vitalich's rigs, Frisky Fins, uh, Get 'em Green rigs. Rob Foster's uh, Rogue Reels rigs, uh, my own. I've tied up a lot of my own rigs. Uh, I've used them all, and they have yet to make me say, okay, these suck, I'm just going to do my own thing. They are great rigs. Uh, I love them. Now, do I modify some of them? I will admit to you, yes, I have. Um, I have changed out um, the hooks uh, a couple times after you know maybe a couple hookups. I've changed them out there. Or I have changed the beads a little bit uh, up and down from their rigs. Or maybe I've moved the top one to the bottom one. And that's just a, a little bit of adjusting I've done. Now, do I take away from the rigs? No, they're exactly the same. They're just a little bit modified uh, with normally what's on there. That's not a bad thing at all. So don't take it as any kind of, I don't know, uh, bad omen. Chip sinkers have always been my go-to and they haven't failed me so i continue to use that where do you cast your lines i already told you that <laughs> i told you all about the cuts there oh one thing i didn't put um for live bait uh so i like to use fresh dead shrimp from half hitch um i will go there they've you know you get all the ones that died within 24 hours they bag them up and put them in the freezer i go grab them 
I grab a couple bags, and then I bring them home and divvy them into smaller bags, so that way I'm not burning through an entire monster bag and killing a bunch of shrimp for no reason. Uh, but I cut them down thumbnail size. Sometimes I peel them, sometimes I don't. Um, just kind of go with it there. And then with the whiting or ladyfish, I'll use fresh fish. Fresh dead is great. You know, I'll cut them down. Uh, frozen, I'll use it too. Mullet's my perf- preference. Um, I will be using uh, Boston mackerel here in the near future. Sword, our recent episode uh, with Stephen Connor Joe. They brought up some really cool information about that. And he, with Boston mackerel, I didn't even think about it because you use it on the boat all the time when you're out doing charters and party boats and stuff like that. But it is a super stinky, oily fish. Great fish to utilize. So I'm going to start utilizing that when I can get my hands on it. And I use that for targeting, you know, the toothy critters or, you know, red drum, black drum, Spanish ladies uh that's normally you know the hell hell lady fish will eat anything but i'll always target with some cut bait uh and normally one of two things i'll probably yeah i'd say most of the time if i'm going to do it i'm using uh rogue reels rob foster's red drum rigs uh those are my favorite i really like those for uh going after that and then the longest cast uh, his rigs for red drum, uh, great rigs. So I'll use one of those two and uh, go just try to get after it. The um, the one thing I've noticed with those is you got to really kind of plan. Like, hey, it's a bigger hook, which of course you know, big hook. You got to plan on your bait. Uh, I've had to learn how to bait it better, so that's been a fun learning experience. But again, great rigs, love them. I uh, have nothing bad to say about them at all. One of the most, what is the next question I normally ask people? Oh boy, as I go through the notes here, I mean, this is just how my normal day goes, right? What adjustments do I make while fishing? Um, my normal thing to do when I talked with Blake Hunter of Real 30A at a seminar, uh, he had told everyone, so it wasn't me talking to him, I guess he was teaching us, uh, is the cell phone tower mentality. You know, you got the one one bar, two bar, three bar, four bar, uh, stacking them that way. Uh, and it, one thing that it did for me was it kind of gave me a reinforcement off of what Bama Beach Bomb Matt Isbell said in one of his podcast or his uh, videos on YouTube was zone awareness and zone targeting. Blake and his together put me in a position of like, okay, cool. I need to go, you know, 50, 70, 90, 100, maybe in the yardage and then change it up a little bit and move it up and down. I will move from time to time. I don't like it. And I will be the first to admit it. Um, I'm not a fan of moving, but if I have to, I will. One thing I was doing for a little while was I was leapfrogging my lines. So if I wasn't catching something, um, I would move. My my normal rod count is one to four from left to right. Um, if I'm not catching something, I'm probably going to look around and see what I missed, and then I'm going to move into a direction. Normally, my direction is four becomes number one. So I'll leapfrog back to the left um, ten more yards and just continue to do the same thing going down the beach. Uh, until there's some success. I've only done it a couple times. Uh, It's yielded some success, uh, for sure. But on the same one, it was probably because I wasn't in the best area and I didn't plan very well. So that's on me, but that's something I'll adjust. After I get a bite or two, 
um, I will try to remember how I did that line. And one of the things I was doing for a long time is I was actually keeping a log book next to me and I was writing stuff down. Uh, eventually I changed that and then I started writing it in the sand into, you know, what it was. It was like, all right, hey, max cast, so MC. Uh, and then it was whatever bait was on top, you know, uh, crab or uh, shrimp or whatever it may be. I put it on there so that way I knew, okay, cool, that's what I used. And that way when I bring the fish in, because my memory sucks, uh, I can see what hook it was on. And now I know, oh, hey, they targeted this. Uh, I guess I'm bouncing around a little here, so I'll back up. That's also something I do with my bait is I'll alternate whatever's on the the rigs. So top rig could be um, electric chicken. And then the bottom rig could be uh, sand flea uh, flavored fish bites. I, I, um, so, but normally, yeah, if you if you were to reel in one of my lines, nine times out of ten, you're gonna find fish bites on there. And then a live or uh, dead bait, however you, or one of the real baits, if you will. You know, if I've got a crab uh, electric chicken, which has been my big one for this year, has been my that's been my hitter. Um, you'll probably find a piece of the crab, electric chicken crab, and then you'll probably find a crab knuckle. I'll put them on there together, and then you know we'll find and see what happens. Uh, on the bottom, it could be pink shrimp, and then a piece of fresh dead shrimp. Those two together. So you know, now I know with what my notes were and what things were there, uh, what I've been doing, what I've used. So I'll, and then what I'll do is I'll adjust my lines to that bait that color, that scent profile on the top and bottom from using double droppers. And then the range. Was it max cast? Was it long cast? Was it medium cast? Was it short cast? And then I'll target, I'll move everything to that zone. Uh, a lot of information, sure, but I'm going out to be successful. I want to catch these fish uh, so I can bring home dinner and be good to go and set up my freezer uh, for the hiatus times. I don't know the best method for tracking but that's what works for me uh, i did use my phone for a while i'd you know put that number there and kind of make it work but uh, that was kind of the start of how it all came together since then i've kind of maintained the exact same posture um, but i've added a few new other things to my fishing plans i always keep um the I always keep at least one or two, it depends, but normally it's only one rod with a lure on it. Um, whether it's my nine foot dagger with a ES lure, or uh, it's my 10 foot over the bar with a GI jigs rig, um, those setups, it, it just depends. You know, sometimes I'll put a, t I'll, or I'll have my, one of my other inshore rods, maybe the uh, Shimano Claris or the St. Croix Mojo. Uh, I'll have one of those two the, with maybe a spoon or a popping cork or a top water. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, there's a lot of things to have ready, but I, I try to keep one, maybe two rods on there, depending on what time of day I've gone out to at least try to attract something with a spoon or the other lures. And that has yielded a lot of success. Um, one of the things that I haven't seen that everyone talks about is the blow up in the water. I think I've seen it once and I was like, oh, cool, let's target it. And I foul hooked a bluefish. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a fun experience. But 
Now, the other times, too, when I'm not paying attention, a perfect example as I was testing the 10-foot over the bar and just throwing a spoon, you know, max drag, just launching it out there. I want to see how far it can go. I want to feel the retrieve. I want to feel the bumps and all that. And I landed a PB bluefish. A huge fight, a lot of fun. Like, wow, they didn't expect this. Uh, but I didn't see anything blowing up in the water. He just happened to be swimming by, and the school was under there, and they were just getting after it. And, hey, cool, I caught one. So... The blow-up thing is a cool part, but I've never have never seen it like that, and it's always good to have that rod on standby. An episode I've been promising all of you is one with FWC, and I have the questions written down, and I went back and I had everything from the other people that wanted me to ask questions, but what I noticed is a lot of the questions were all policy-driven. One thing I don't do on Finding Demo Surf Fishing is get into policy, politics, any of that stuff, and I won't. I have no want, need, or desire to do that. With FWC, I have several generic questions that can be found a lot on their FAQs, but I also believe that I have a few questions that are not on there that I think should be answered. And I appreciate everybody's patience with that episode. I just want you all to know that if you have policy questions and things like that, you absolutely can reach out and ask them those. Um, It's just not really my plan with this episodes or any of these show or my show or anything of that to engage in anything of that nature that policy is a whole different world and it's just not something that i'm looking to jump into moving into the after catch part of the game i had a great episode with allison real love on ekg may and you've seen the two episodes and i'm sure you're all like oh you're talking about ekg May again i am because i believe in it The idea that I was, you know, you catch a fish and you can keep it in the fridge for two days and then it's gone, that was kind of heartbreaking. Uh, It's like, man, you know, either I got to freeze it or I got to eat it. Anything I catch to bring home, it's getting getting in there. I'm going to eat it. It's for my family. It's for me. It's it's great. I love fish. It's delicious. And when Allison told me about EKG May telling me I could have it last longer with a better quality, it really started me down that path now admittedly you heard me say it in the episode uh i thought it was mostly about a more humane fast way to kill the fish dispatch it and then you know take care of it from there but i've learned since then it's so many more things and you can tell the difference in the fish you really can it's minor but it's there sword had recently when we did our episode we talked about it they're doing it um, and they believe in it as well because it's you know, it's preserving their catches. And they're catching great fish. I mean, they're out in their boats a lot, so they're catching these big monsters, and it's helping them take care of you know their catch lasting longer and better tasting. There's a bunch of others. Uh, Mark Holtz, Uh if you haven't heard of him, we talk to him every couple weeks on the Panhandle Fishing Report. He is also a uh, he's a offshore captain. But he does it as well. Um, he believes in it for the same reasons. You know, better fish, takes better care of him, and he's gone into a lot of it. But there's something to be said if a bunch of people are doing these things, this one process, EKG may, to preserve their catch. It means that it is real. It's not a fad. It's not some, oh, that sounds cool. They're doing it to make their fish better. I'm a fan. I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm not going to stop doing it. Uh, I'm going to continue to do it, and thankfully I now have a brand new blade, thank you, Sword, 
for EKGMA as my primary. Uh, now I have a better blade for cutting the tail and also uh, bleeding the fish. It's a great episode. It has a lot of knowledge, and I do believe in the process. So if you'd like, go take a look at those episodes. That's with Allison, Real Love. You'll find two of them. It is labeled EKGMA, and you had me at Brain Spike. But it's a great thing. With that, after that, we talk about cooking. I am not a great cook. <laughs> I wish I was, but I'm not. I use a cookbook for just about any meal I make, except for hot dogs, beans, and french fries, or maybe the occasional chicken nuggies. I uh, had some great conversations, one especially with Cheyenne Rebecca. Uh, Cheyenne, the Southern Yankee, puts on a lot of great stuff on her webpage and her Facebook stuff about how she's cooking uh, her food. Really easy to follow, and she's very responsive, but if you're looking for something other than fish tacos, take a look at her page. She has done some stuff. Uh, it was because of her that I tried making uh, Pompano Rangoons. Really <laughs> kind of a weird thing. I sucked at it, but it was still tasty. A fun little treat to change it up. But I've also started making fish cakes. Uh, really good. Definitely enjoyed it. Ceviche. I uh, got that one from, I believe it was Life for Real. Uh, got me down to that path. And I was like, oh, okay, i got to continue to do this. Found my own recipe online that I really like uh, after a couple and just following. After the catch, there's a lot of great ways to make your fish. You just you know got to decide which way you want to do it. Some are more time intensive, some are not. But these fish are so good, and there's just so many ways you can adjust. I really recommend giving it a try. Coming up episodes, like I said, we're going to be talking to other other states. Um, we're going to get more into those because, as I said, with the first thing, episode one, I want to bring you information throughout the whole country so that way if you're going to that area you have an idea i want to talk to the charter captains in those areas because i want you to have a contact if you wanted to just go out there and fish with somebody now you have a resource you could still book a charter with them which was not a horrible idea because it's always good to know you're going to go travel somewhere and catch fish not just go out there and say i can do it you absolutely can but getting the person or people that are in that area that know it is never a bad day. So definitely go, you know, definitely I'm going to continue that, and we are going to expand. YouTubers. Yes, I've talked to them. Yes, I've seen it. I know a few of you are like, why are you talking to YouTubers? They've got all their stuff online. They absolutely do. But there's more to the YouTubers episodes than just their channel. I want to bring you the story of them. And, oh, well, look at that. Huh. I failed you guys. Paycheck time. That's right. Actually, we're at 37 minutes. I apologize. Normally, I have my timer going when I'm talking to people today. I didn't. Bait check. Bring it in. Check it out. Make sure it's good to go. If you need to change it up, change it up. Throw it back out. Get back to fishing. Because that's what we do. The YouTubers story is more to me is more information about how they has got to where they are and how they fish and all these pieces now yeah you can pick up a ton of that knowledge on their episodes you really can but with 45 minutes to an hour of their time they're giving you a little bit more about how they fish why they fish what got them there i wanted to give you the more behind the scenes if you will and hopefully it's helped some of you um They've all got really good stories about their lives. 
I mean, recent one was Tony Tackle, Tony Chipman. Um, fun, hilarious YouTuber uh, and a great dude. Talked about how he started it. You know, it was started out for him and his kids, you know, about it them, and all of a sudden it's grown into what it is now. But these pieces have built him to where he is. Now you go take a look at his channel, tons of knowledge. Every episode, he's got something to tell you. It's just a matter of what you pick apart. So, uh, uh, Tony Sfagioni, fish gum, did him recently. Again, same thing. Tells you how he fishes, tells you how he runs, all those ones. Bama Beach Bum. He has hours of content, and he didn't have to come on the podcast at all. Uh, I honestly, I have nothing to offer him. I hate to say that. Um, but while we were talking, I still picked up other nuggets that I hadn't seen through his YouTube. I picked up things I didn't know about him. But it was, that was the piece that I was capturing was I wanted to know more about the person and give that to you. They're awesome people. And hopefully you picked something up from that. I I know I did. I got a lot of flack. Wow, I just rapid fired there. (laughs) I got a little bit of flack about rod makers and custom rods. And I didn't understand why I was getting that kind of negative feedback. Uh, until I realized I wasn't hitting the kind of core things that I needed to hit. Uh, Mike LaRusso was one of the perfect ones to say that about. Mike uh, really kind of gave, he gave me everything he could about his stuff um, with his custom rods, but I didn't really dig into his fishing. And that was, that was a horrible move on me. And, you know, I, I did a disservice to Mike in reality there. And I definitely probably, I need to pull them back on and have another conversation. But when I started having a conversation with Mott's Custom Rods, uh, Wes Mossinger, or Mottsinger, sorry. Uh, Wes made me realize that I needed to ask better questions about the rods. Now, does everyone need a custom rod? No. Nope. I'll be the first one to admit it. And they'll tell you the same thing. Wes actually did. But there's other processes that went into that, that they were building these rods um, with that thought process of, what do you need it for? What do you want to do with it? How do you want to build it? That went from uh, his to Frisky Fins. James also started explaining to me more about there is more to just more than just you know surf rods for one in particular, but you know how they fish, how they adjust it, and why what the conversation pieces go because these are custom rod guys were making these rods for you. Are they more expensive? Yeah, yeah, hey, we all know that. Custom something is going to cost you. But there, that rod was probably something specific that you wanted. I picked that last piece really, it hit it harder for me when I talked to Sean Lawless of the Lost Lawless Tide. Sean had a specific rod made for Sheep's Head. Um, and he has another one, I can't remember what it was for, uh, but he brought it up on the Panhandle Fishing Report he explained why these rods that he had were done the way he wanted for what purpose. All these things put together made me realize, all right, I need to do better with the rod episodes uh, because there is more to just, oh, okay, cool, yeah, what blanks and these, the guides. Does this mean anything for you? Sure, you may want a custom rod one day, but they they gave you a bunch of other information about their fishing styles, where they fish, how they fish, and why their rods were built the way they were for that. So big picture, all of that really kind of brought it together, if you will. I had a great conversation with Fish Bites uh, with Brett and his episode, and it was littered with knowledge on the product, how they use it, 
Um, and I learned so many things. One of them in particular being that their Fight Club series, the soft plastic lures that they have, is actually full bait. Or, I'm sorry, full scent. It's 100%. It just gets eaten up and it's gone. It's just biodegradable. It's not that, you know, if it pops off, it's not, you know, like one of the other ones that's soft plastic that just kind of hangs out. But the pieces that helped me with fish bites and learning about their stuff, though I knew it, I actually got to go to the factory and see how they make it. And it's an art. I didn't realize how much goes into making these baits. Um, there's not much I can tell you about it before being honest. You know, if you want to know about it, you're going to have to reach out to them and maybe get yourself set up to take a look. But it really helped me understand what thought process goes into making these baits for us to catch fish. And how Brett, you know, started out fishing and then moved to where he did with the surf and how he likes to fish. That actually helped me when I went out and did some inshore. Um, And it kind of gave me other thoughts on what to use, how to use it, how to throw it. So I never would have known that had I not had this conversation with Brett and Fish Bites. And I did. I went out with, uh, like I said, I went out with Bill uh, Lipscomb of E6 Inshore. Uh, fishing charters here in the Navarre area, Fort Walton Beach. And I caught a red drum on one of the Fight Club series on a jig head. Couldn't, I don't know how to throw it. I didn't before, but after talking with Brett, I learned a lot more of it. And then Bill taught me a bunch too, so I could actually use these things properly. But all those pieces put together has brought me to that. I want to learn how to be a better angler in all aspects. Uh, I bought a kayak. I do have a kayak. I'm going to start using it more. Uh, I'm going to go out on boats more if I can. As long as the money's coming in for the business, I can go out on boats. You know, hopefully, I'm not closing down my RV side because you know that's it keeps food on the table and keeps me fishing and having fun. So I'm going to keep doing that because it's going to bring me more knowledge that I can share as we go, whether it's here or the Panhandle Fishing Report, all those pieces. And um, that's always kind of been my goal. So out of this whole 45 minutes that I've been flapping my jibs, and I know it's a little bit random, and I apologize, I try to keep it into this pattern, and my notes were, but it's a little bit off. Um, kind of my standard here, I can talk very, very long for no reason. Is thank you uh, for everybody, because you're helping me become a better angler. I hope that my episodes are helping you become a better angler. Hopefully, I will continue to be able to bring you Good information throughout the country um, on fishing, how to fish, where to fish, what bait to use, what they're doing. And in the end of this, we're going to see where it goes. I will have some more episodes here that have listeners. Uh, Jacob Williams, bring him back into this. Uh, he's a listener. Uh, he dedicated himself, my, my troll, uh, and he's a good dude. But I got information out of him to to help share. And I didn't, there were things I didn't know about cast netting, not even a little clue about cast netting, but I have an idea of how to do it now and where to start and what to use and go from there. I've got a couple other listeners that have said, hey, I'd love to be on your show to talk about uh, some mistakes I've made. Perfect. We all learn from mistakes. That's the best thing in the world. I mean, hell, failure is the important thing in life. If you don't fail, how are you going to know you didn't do something? Or you didn't do it right, or you need to change something. Failure is a great motivator to learn and become better. In the end of this whole thing, as I'm flapping my jibs, this whole episode was dedicated to saying thank you to you. 
for listening, for contributing, for sharing. And thank you for letting me be a part of your day. It's a lot to ask for somebody of their time. And I'm very thankful that you let me have some of yours. So until next week, take care of yourselves. Get out there, go fishing, go forth, do great things. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I will talk to you next week. I'm out. (laughs) 